It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts, and actions. Hey, everybody. I am Kathy Armias. Oh, and I am Mark Williams. And let me tell you right now, <laughs> as we are, are about to launch this episode of It's About to Go Down, my heart is pumping. My heart is on fire because the love of my life right here, the one I've been searching for my whole life, my wife, Lauren Williams. <laughs> do this <laughs> yeah this don't do this. Love, this this is a love fest beyond love fest we've had former students we've had all kinds of great people that we know but you are so incredibly special my lovely wife lauren williams and i am so happy that kathy came up with this brilliant idea because that's what she does she comes up with brilliant ideas to invite <laughs> our spouses on the episode of it's about to go down so Welcome to the world, my wife, Lauren Williams. <laughs> and, and, and Lauren, you want to talk to us today about, I know, a topic and an idea that is very close to you, very serious for you, very important for you. And it's about the importance of diversity. So mm-hmm. let's start it off. Um, talk to us for a few moments about why is this topic of diversity so important for you? Um, thank you both. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on your show. Um, very excited to be here. But to be honest, I'll start with a current thing and then work my way back. But I this recently has come up in my head more so because of what's going on now in the world, specifically the Israel-Gaza conflict, um, because I grew up on Long Island in a mostly predominantly Jewish neighborhood. I myself am Jewish, but I never was raised by a religious family, as you know, Mark. We were Jewish basically in name only, so we didn't really celebrate any of the Jewish holidays. We didn't practice much, but yet there was a lot of pressure to conform, because I think for any group, and I'm sure you guys would agree that when you grow up around only people who look and are the same culture, the same religion as you are, sometimes you see the worst of that community as opposed to being in a diverse community. So for me, I only saw one thing about Jewish people. As I've gotten older, I've realized I was completely wrong about it, but it almost turned me off to the religion for better or for worse. Um, And I do remember as a kid, like we would be going to the mall on Yom Kippur, the highest, holiest of holidays for the Jewish community. And I would literally have my head down because I would see other families walking to synagogue and I was embarrassed. so, and for my parents, they didn't really get it. For them, it, it didn't matter. They knew they were both Jewish, but for me, it felt, I don't know, it just felt inauthentic. I, I never even felt comfortable going to a synagogue because I was never in, I was in one a lot growing up. So when I was there, I felt like an outsider. I actually felt more comfortable going to church with people than I did in a synagogue. So it was always a big conflict for me. And I think if I had grown up in a community that had many different cultures and religions and races, I wouldn't have felt so insecure about who I was. As a, as a Jewish person. I didn't ever feel like I fit in. I, I wasn't what the Jewish community looked, I didn't feel like I looked like everybody else, or I don't know, I just didn't feel like I connected. So it was very hard for me. So as soon as I got away from it and went to high school, I'm sorry, I went to college, I was like longing to find other people that weren't. And then I wound up in a, a school that almost everybody there that I wound up connecting with was still Jewish. So it just took a while for me to sort of expand my horizons. And once I moved to Brooklyn from, once I left Brooklyn, I'm sorry, once I left Long Island and moved to Brooklyn, there was no turning back from there when I realized like just what's out there. And and full disclosure, I've met so many more Jewish people. I've very, some of my closest friends that I've met now that come, that lived and grew up in Brooklyn. I always say to them, I wish I knew you as when I was a kid because I would have seen Judaism as it's such a beautiful religion, but I didn't see it that way at all. So if I had known these people when I was a kid, I would have realized that there's more to the religion than what I thought it was. So I've always battled with that. And I and I think even now with what's going on there, it's still, 
brings it back to me for many other reasons of like, which, where do I fall into this? You know, um, my Jewish friends constantly remind me, you know, Lauren, you're, you're Jewish and your kids are Jewish because your mother, when the mother's Jewish, but yet I have these children that are half Jewish who, because we haven't really raised, I mean, they know a little bit about it. They know about the holidays a little bit, but they don't necessarily connect to the Jewish religion either. And then I have this guilt of like, should I have done more or, so that's really where I'm at of why I always feel like diversity is so important to me. Hmm. Wow, Lauren, thank you for sharing all that. Um, it started heavy there. <laughs> it, no, it, it's just real. It's just authentic. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you talking about your experience because I think a lot of times, especially as we get older and we're trying to make sense of life and we're trying to understand how we fit into the world and how we raise our kids. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we don't maybe acknowledge as much as we should is where our beliefs come from or our perspectives. And so I appreciate that if you look at any, any topic or anything or any religion or any culture or anything, there's like, there's so many different perspectives and ways that people have mm -hmm. had experience with that. So that's, a, I don't know what you were thinking, Mark, but for me, that was the first thing that came up is I appreciate that you talked about it and just, and even recognized it. You know, what comes up for me is there's often a tendency to want to be around like people, right? Um, people look like you, people share the same religion and identity. And, and quite often we, there's a sense of pride, right? You have a sense of pride in your identity and you wanna make sure that, that your culture continues to exist. And I find that sometimes that then conflicts with us stepping outside of our community. And what I found to be so fascinating about what you just said is for everybody who is trying to shall I say, keep or purify or whatever word you want to use, um, make sure that they're, they, they keep their identity. What you just said is probably the best way to stay connected to your own identity is to explore other communities, mm. right? Because mm -hmm. you just said like being around everybody who looked the same, acted the same, did the same. It was like all kinds of things, negative association. Yeah. But it was once you start connecting with other people, you felt more connected to your, let's call it original identity. That's a fascinating twist mm -hmm. on the importance of diversity that yeah. as long as I've known you, I've never thought of never it. Never really thought of it. Yeah, I mean, I can only speak for my religion. I don't know if you guys heard the same messages growing up, but in the Jewish community, it's very huge. From the time I was young, it was, you marry Jewish. You keep, you know, again, you never forget about the Holocaust and you want to keep the Jewish community growing. So you marry, that was all, it was like ingrained in everybody's heads. Mm. And when I heard that, it, it almost, and I get it, I get where it's coming from. So I don't mean to come across as if I'm like judging people say, I understand why there was a need for it. But for me, I felt the opposite. And it annoyed, every time I heard it, it didn't feel right for me. I didn't want to be told what to do because I, I just never really felt a total connection to it. And maybe it's because my parents chose or for whatever reason, didn't really give me that faith, that faith, you know, the Jewish faith, they didn't really instill it in me. So I didn't really, I saw it for different things instead of what it could be. So all of those, you have to marry Jewish and this, I, I just didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. So it's interesting that you just said, oh, most cultures want to, and, and most people want to feel connected to that culture and keep it. I almost long to be away from it. Um, mm. You know, I mean, honestly, changing my maiden name, and, and again, for anybody who's, I, I don't want to come across as like, my God, what a self-hating, because I, I, I understand it now. But at the time, I was like, fine, when I, when we got married, I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't want to be known. My, my maiden name was, it was so obvious what it was that I was Jewish that I didn't want that identity. I didn't, I wanted to be who I was. I wanted people mm -hmm. to figure out who I was on my own. So I remember feeling like, oh, I'm getting this new name. It was like a new beginning. And there was some guilt from that also mm -hmm. feeling like, am I abandoning mm -hmm. more of the history for my parents and grandparents and so on. But I remember feeling that like relief of like, finally, I don't have to, when I say my name, feel that people are going to judge me in a certain way, which I really did feel. 
Mm. Yeah. Wow. You know what? There's a lot of, whew, you made me think of how layered and complex some of these things that we can feel as a person. And you both, both of you said something that made me think about something that I've never thought until right now, because I was running through my own identities. And Mark, when you were saying like, it, it feels more comfortable to be around people that are like you. And then I was like, mm, I don't have that experience. But then I was like, maybe it shows up in a different way. And so here's what I mean is your identity could be for, for instance, if you're an athlete and you really love to play sports, your identity doesn't show up in the way you look as a person or what your culture or your background is, but you're like, Oh, I love hanging around people. I feel most comfortable with people that also really like to play sports. Those are, I was thinking of some of the identities when I was growing up and those in Los Angeles and coming there as like, we mm -hmm. moved from the Chicago area and then I didn't know anybody. And then my parents got divorced. I felt that when I first started growing up, I felt that I was afraid. I didn't know who I was. I didn't, I didn't know anything about my background and things mm -hmm. that I would find out later. And so I just kind of tried to find my comfort <clears throat> And things oh. that I enjoyed in sports ended up being one of them. So it can also. No, that makes sense. Right. So an identity could show up in a different way. And I never thought about, you know, at that time, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about, and I could understand Lauren, yours a hundred percent, like where you grew up and how you grew up and what you were around. You're hearing mm -hmm. messages. I was never really, I wasn't really hearing any messages at that moment, you know? I wasn't hearing any, any messages that were coming across that strong. I, I'm curious, Mark, if how you, like, were you, were there things that you were exposed to when you were young that, that were giving you messages like that? Mm. No, definitely. And, and, and I can go two routes here. And so first of all, I'll talk about being black, right? So growing up being black, there, there's a certain expectations for the way you, well actually i'll even say this growing up black in a urban area right in a poor neighborhood stereotypical city kid there was already a stereotype about what types of girls you like or what types of boys you mm -hmm. like and who do you have a crush on and who you shouldn't have a crush on and you know you got to make sure that you that's a nice black girl you should be with or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? There, there was sort of sort of that, that same thing and make sure you go to church and, and there was these black things or even listening to black music. Mm. I remember yeah. one of the first time somebody was like, what are you listening to? I think I was listening to the Thompson Twins. Hold me now. <laughs> I think he told I it this, right? Took you back. <laughs> At least I it wasn't know. the chipmunks, Mark. I right. know. <laughs> it, it could have easily, it could have easily been, right? I, I know, that, right? <laughs> but I remember I was probably in the fourth grade, sitting at the lunch table, <laughs> listening to my Walkman, <laughs> um, and and some kid could overhear. I don't know if they overheard the song or just heard overheard me singing along, mm -hmm. and it was like, "What are you listening to?" Right? And it was like, "It's white music," and and so there was this whole thing where it's like. Nah, you don't you you know you're not supposed to do that, right? It's like you're crossing over or you're you're selling out or things of that nature. And so there was a lot of pressure around that. And yet on the flip side, another conversation that I remember having was with two of my cousins. Um when they discovered that I liked to read and that I was oh. going to this um I was going to this, well, I was going to Brooklyn Tech. I was about to get ready to go to Brooklyn Tech. And then it's all of a sudden, it's like, wait, you're a bookworm, right? And you're hanging out with all these smart people and you're trying to sound smart. And mm. so I had to feel a certain guilt about even wanting to be intellectual or reading mm. books, you know, like that mm -hmm. was a bad thing. So it's very <laughs> interesting about you know, this, this struggle with identity because Absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it just and, made and me and think I, of the story. yeah. And I, and I love the, I love the point that you're still making that 
like even when you start to feel a certain way, once you start to get into the world of other people, you start to grow an appreciation, a deeper appreciation from where you're from. Well, that what you were just saying just reminds me of when I first started teaching. And I'm aging myself in 1998. And my first, I've told you this, Mark, but my first teaching job was in Crown Heights. And if you know the history of, I'm sure you do, Kathy, the history of Crown Heights, it's like a religious Jewish community and a West Indian community living together. That was not that many years after the Crown Heights riots. Um, and so as a teacher, and again, my maiden name, so at the time I was Miss Rosenberg. And so for those students, for many of them, it was all a West Indian, they were all West Indian students. So I was the one of like three white teachers there. And when I met them and they knew my last name, they were shocked, they could not believe it that how could I be Jewish when the people that they see on Eastern Parkway in Crown Heights, they didn't look like me, they were covered, they were dressed, they were I had to explain to them so many times that like Judaism means so much more than just one group. They, they really didn't know. Um, so that was that that was one part of it. And then also in that school, again, that was 1998. I, I don't know. I don't hear this at Brooklyn Tech, but at the time it was very big for students who were like you, who were reading books, who were doing their homework. And the thing was, why are you acting white? That was always the comment, always. Mm. And then later, even to take it another step, when we met, we were both at Tech. And I would tell people specific, well, I won't, whatever, it doesn't matter. But the person that I telling, several people actually, oh, mentioning Mark Williams. And they were like, oh, well, he's not really black. And at the time I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. And then I, I didn't realize until years later, like that's like borderline racist to say. <laughs> like It was diminishing the fact that you are black. If not 100%. Not 100%. Like, and at the time I really didn't realize it either. I was listening to him like, oh, is it? Meanwhile, what? Would they, and they were like, he must be, he must have grown. I remember some people being like, he must have grown up on Long Island with all white people. And then when I realized where, like, no, actually not like the complete opposite of that. Wow. And that was like 2000, you know? So that's not that yeah. long. Um, yeah. That oh my God. Yeah. Wow. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for, Lauren and Mark, thank you for creating the space where we can talk about this. I think one thing that's important on learning, and you're both educators, so you know this, right? You can't learn and you can't not make mistakes from the past if you don't understand what the problem was. So, you know, sometimes you you can look back on things that people said and, and you can give a little grace because maybe the time, right. But you're right. like, but in hindsight, you're like, none of that's okay. And here's why, here's why we can understand it more. You know, I'm hearing that as you say it today. And I'm like, oh. I know, especially so knowing hard. Mark, knowing that, knowing that Mark is a human being, one of his best qualities and his worst <laughs> is that he's an English teacher. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Mark. <laughs> and I'm just kidding, but, you know, it's like, the part of his identity of who he is as a person is the things that he enjoys in life and the things that he clung on to. And if you know the, like, and I'm, I'm saying this to the general public, not to Lauren, because Lauren knows this about mm -hmm. Mark, but if you know about Mark and his mom, and he beautifully put it in, in his first book, you know, you understand why things are important to him. So it seems so offensive on so many levels when you don't understand somebody's story right. and you make sweeping assumptions mm -hmm. if you knew just a little bit about mark williams you would know now and i know a little bit more about lauren williams i can understand mm -hmm. something i do want to mention something that i think is fascinating mark knows i love to watch stand-up comedy it's just my favorite like i just love I, any new stand-up comedian or any new bit i'm watching but i really love ronnie chang and <clears throat> he has this funny bit the daily really, show? what was that is he from yeah. the Daily Show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah. he is so funny. And one thing that he says, and he says it in a funny way, but it's actually really true. He has this whole bit about how when people hear about another country, the only thing that they know about that country, typically if they've never been there before, if they've never met anybody from that culture, they hear the one stereotypical thing from that country and he's from singapore so he says oh all you hear about is that the american you know got got lashed for for having gum or whatever right and then he goes through this whole oh. funny bit about it but the serious part that i took from it was that many times we make assumptions based on the one thing that we believe about that culture 
you know, mm-hmm. and you said that Lauren, that when you were first teaching that you'd be like, Oh, you don't, what, mm-hmm. why do you look like this? So Always, it yeah. is fascinating that one of the things, one of the things that we can do within diversity is also not fall into that trap. I think of, of saying all Jewish people do this, all black people do because because then you're only talking about mm-hmm. it from going from culture to culture. You're not now going from human to human. You're not going, oh, well, what, is, right. what is Lauren as a human? What is Mark as a human? Not not what is Lauren as a Jewish woman? What is Mark as a black man? It doesn't always. Yeah, Mark, I see your thought. Yeah. I often think about how so much of this is around the fear of losing identity. Mm-hmm. And I went to a workshop recently and Lawrence heard me talk about this, this part of the workshop. So I have to give her, her, her acknowledgement. There's a woman by the name of uh, Ashina Baez and she does a whole mindfulness thing. And there's one part of her workshop where she asked everybody to write down five components Hi. of identity religion, race, gender. Um, I think the, 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 there's another one, that nationality. There's five of them. Mm-hmm. And when she asked everybody to write and, and to write each identity on a separate slip of paper. Mm. And then afterwards, she asked you to take one away and then take another one away until you get down to the to one part of your identity. And she has us like really process what it was like to think about all of these identities and what it was like to take it away. And that makes me think of the fear that people have, right? Like when you talk about the Jewish community or you talk about the black community or you talk about any community that's got a lot of pride as they deserve to have there's this fear of losing the identity, right? Like I know I used to hear as a black kid growing up, it's almost like, you know, if you marry somebody who's not black, it's like you're erasing, you know. I heard the same thing, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, what you said, Lauren, earlier made me think of this. The fear of losing the identity and holding on to it so tightly actually creates more conflict because those young kids in your class in Crown Heights had a very limited perception Mm -hmm. of what it meant to be Jewish and had not a Jewish person stepped into their classroom and spoke and, and instructed and taught them, their minds not have, might not have been as open. And so Right. And in and, and this in this effort to try to not lose our identity, if we were to spread our identity and the teachings of our identity, not only would we feel more connected, but we might actually have people who feel more appreciative of others as well. Mm-hmm. Very well said. That's very true. Yeah. Yes. It's also yeah, kind I think- of Oh, go ahead, Lauren. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think that's, you know, why it's so important for teachers. I mean, I never, I honestly did not know anybody Black until I was in college. So I never had a teacher. I never had a friend. And the fact that that was okay for everybody, that Mm -hmm. my parents didn't see that as like, wow, I don't really want my child to be raised like that. It just didn't, I don't even think anybody thought of it. And I think, you know, companies are trying to do that now to like diversify people running companies, anything. Like it should just be everywhere. And it, it, it certainly gotten better, but it's not where it, it should be in terms of diversity at all. That's all I was gonna throw in. No, oh, it's so true. Um, I, I'm gonna ask you something, Mark. Um, we, you know, part of our teaching that we teach in uh, speaker coaching, you know, we like to teach a lot of things about balance, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot of really good things you can do, Lauren, in speaking. Like, for instance, you could ask, you could start off a speech with a question, but if you start bombarding your audience with a bunch of questions, it gets annoying, right? <laughs> you don't want to like <laughs> question, 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 question. Yeah. 
So anything that could be a good thing can also turn to be a bad thing if you use it too much or you go too far. I wonder if, you know, I'm hearing both of you talk. It's really interesting to watch, to hear you both talk, to know you both, to know you're in love and married and have a beautiful family. And to hear mm. you talk about this is like, I'm having this weird out-of-body experience right now where I feel like I'm <laughs> levitating over the two of you. <laughs> It's really, it's a really awesome thing because you both have had to tackle some hard beliefs, like, you know, things that might've been ingrained in you. And what I wanted to ask you both, I wanted you both to answer this question because I've just, it started, I started kind of appearing in my brain is that I can understand on the one end, when people in the black community or people in the Jewish community are like, we want to keep, we don't want our culture to get erased we want to keep all the beautiful things about our culture. And, and, you know, there's some good to that. Right. And then there on the other end, there's some good to going out and, you know, co-mingling and mixing with other, you know, communities and cultures and, and finding people that aren't like you and understanding different perspectives. And I wonder if you go, and if you went completely to that end and we're like, I don't want to have anything to do with my culture, then that's not good. And then maybe if you go all the way over here and you're like, I don't want to have anything to do with any culture other than mine, maybe that is not good. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So what do you both think about that? Like, what is a good balance? Where, what, you know? That's a, I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying because I understand, like I said, when I heard it as a kid about it's so important to keep the Jewish religion alive and to make sure that you, and I get all of that. And I, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to have any disrespect to people who chose to let that. Most of my friends, like all married Jewish men, I get that. But I also just think it's important to not have the judgment that's there for those of us who chose not to do that. Mm. Um, and that I felt like, I mean, listen, it's a, I think Mark's, we're pretty open with the fact that like when I first introduced him to my parents, it was brutal. I mean, the things that were said and, you know, I thought I at one point I thought I would never speak to my parents again. I really thought that that was it. And God bless Mark, you have come such a long way with mom. Um, I mean, if we asked, if we thought this 20 years ago, there's no way we would thought that you would be on the phone with calling her and saying I love you. Like it just we didn't think that would happen. But it was some really horrific, horrific things that were said. And my parents were New York City public school teachers who taught in all black communities. But you know, people don't always preach what they say. So uh, when it, when it came to their daughter, it was just so, and I think there were other comments and things said by other people that I just wish that you could do what you want to do, what you're comfortable with, but I hated the judgment that came along with what we went through. And I, and full disclosure, I don't ever feel like I got that from your family at all. I was welcomed from day one. And unfortunately I feel like for better or for worse, that it, that usually is what happens. You know, I always felt when and that's like in my teens because again i had never known a black person in, in person but i was in awe of michael jackson and michael jordan and whitney Hill. so i always joked i'm like how did my parents not have a clue like did they not come into my room when i was 16 and see the posters i had like hello but i always was so um enamored by the black community and how open they seem to be towards anyone you could be anything you could not have like i always felt like in my opinion, again, that it just, everybody was so judgmental in the Jewish community. And I was just in awe of the black community. I, anytime I was around, as I got older into my twenties, I was like, this is amazing. These, every, they don't, there's no judgment. You could just be free and be who you are. And I was, I just love that. Mm -hmm. um, so I just saw that more again, obviously I'm coming from the outside. So you might've felt differently, Mark, but I just saw that as like, it just amazed me. I think the, <clears throat> the balance for me is is that there are some people across all cultures and identities who are judgmental right like i don't care what the identity is you name it and yeah. they the are human judgmental right there's a human aspect of it and then across every culture you name it there are people who are non-judgmental as well What's the balance? And I think the balance is when you ask that question, Kathy, I think so much of, a, of it is to the best of our ability, 
trying to educate those within our community, maybe about the good and the bad, right? Like, what's the full picture? Um, and then trusting that when they go out into the world and whatever decisions that they make, that one, everybody outside of the community will get to know and get to appreciate that community a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. um, and two, that we're just bringing the world closer together. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard. It's, it's this balance of how do I make sure that you know everything there is to know, right? The good, the bad, yeah. and the ugly. How do I, and I love that you said this, Lauren, how do I not judge anybody else for what they do or do not know? And how do I just take it as an opportunity to educate them? You know, and I know this comes from the two educators in the room, but so uh -huh. much about how do you educate within your community so that when people in your community step outside of the community, they can continue to educate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I sound like such a teacher there. But no, really but that makes sense, though. It does. And sometimes it's not directly teaching. It's indirectly by just having you in the classroom with people who might never have been around someone who looks like you. So it's not the preaching to like diversity is important. It's just you being you and getting to know. So for people to get to know you and be like, wow, I've never met a man from East New York, Brooklyn before. And now I am. And I see how wonderful and amazing he is. I think sometimes that's how it happens. Right. I, I don't know if you guys agree, but. No, oh, totally agree. Yeah. I, I, there, you know, the problem with this discussion on a, on a higher level, like a worldwide level is there's always a little nuance that you can talk about. You can always talk about one sliver of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there, there can be varying degrees of what, what people think, but there's so many little nuances to, to diversity. And how do you think about who you are and your identity and how do you show up? How do you show up in the world with other identities? And Lauren, one of the things that you said that I love is that like, I just didn't feel like I wanted to marry within my community, but I was just really hoping, like I felt my heart, you know, like I just really, I was really hoping people didn't judge me for that. And I don't want to judge anybody else if they do stay. And right. I love that. And so from the perspective of what we're talking about right now, there's also, I've heard people say things like in my life, of course, I've heard people say like, well, she's a black woman teacher or something like that. And, 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 you know, and on those labels, you're like, well, why does it matter if she's black? Why, why does like, it matter? You know, why would it matter? But on the conversation that we're having, it is not like, it's like, oh, it's so good. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people will, will talk about people and describe, and then sometimes people get really sensitive. Also, my sister just went through, Mark, you know this, right? My sister was going through this the thing in, in in Texas, she decided to take this, uh, I forgot what it's called, like the Citizens Academy. It's kind of mm -hmm. cool, actually. You have to go around, you get to go around every week and you get to go to a different part of, of what the city is doing. And so you go to the fire and just yesterday she went to the 911 like dispatch. That. And so she gets to see, she's there for like an hour and a half and gets to see how they run it and everything, right? And and she's like, it is super critical on a 911 call She's like, I think they always portray it on the movies that they say, what is your emergency? They don't. They say, where oh. is the emergency happening? That because if it gets that. cut off, <laughs> they need to know that first. They need to know where, right. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. You don't think about it, right? Um, then some of the details, and she said, Oh, the operators have to be so they in one of the training things that you have to be good at is really multitasking because you're having to ask the right questions, engage, but you're having to send information real time to either the police or to the EMT or the fire department, whoever, right. And you're having to do all these things. And, you know, one of the things that has to come up is description. You have to describe people, you know, mm -hmm. one will come up and it'll be like, there's a woman that just got shot in a house and her kid witnessed it. And we, we need to know where the, perpetrator is or the person that's that that apparently did it and we need to know what he looks like we need to know where he's mm -hmm. at you know so there, there's these other ways right and um it, it's just it's fascinating to me that sometimes we can 
blur a lot of identity. Sometimes there's a technical identity, but we bring that technical identity into other areas where they don't belong. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know it was a really long-winded way to say that, but it, it's kind of like- No, but so I'm just sitting here thinking that, like, I think that what your sister did, I feel like we should all have to do that because oh we God, all have I want... these preconceived notions of what other people do and their jobs. I that's a think, whole nother, that's even a yeah. whole nother thing. I'm sorry. Because, I was... <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a good thing. No, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. It's a whole nother thing because I've never, I don't know. Mark knows this about me. I am like, I am always like a militant middle person. I always have been my whole life because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I see a lot of what maybe police officers are doing really bad. I can hundred percent get behind that. But I know that there's police officers out there that are having to deal with some crazy stuff. And, you know, and so there's always, like you said, I mean, Mark, you just said it beautifully too. You said there's going to be people within any segmented group of people. So now we might be talking about law enforcement or, you know, something else that are, that are good and they do really good things and they have a really good heart and they got into that for really good reasons. And other people might've gotten into it because they like power. And they start to abuse it. So that's, I guess all I'm saying as an overall is it's, there's, there's a lot of nuanced, you know, components to it. You know, it's been interesting also, like just from being in this world now of, you know, obviously being Jewish, married to a black man, raising biracial kids. So it's like seeing both worlds. And it just makes me think, Mark, you know, the story years ago, I, my friend gave me a gift certificate to like a nail salon, hair salon in like a relatively, I don't even know why I wound up there, but it was in a relatively religious Jewish community in Brooklyn. All right, no big deal. It was over the summer. I took Dylan, who was like three years old at the time. I had no childcare. I took him with me. Okay, he'll sit with me. And she convinced me to do my eyebrows. She's like, he could just sit out here, whatever. She takes me into the room. And as she's doing them, she's like, is that your child? And obviously you could tell Dylan was not, you know, white. Um, and I said, yeah, it is. And she was like, you Jewish? She was Jewish. And she said, are you Jewish? And I'm like, yeah. And then she said, God will forgive you for marrying a black man. Now I could not get up and leave at that moment because she's like working on my eyebrows. So I was like, Or you okay. would have no eyebrows really, to this day. Like I felt myself like I wanted to start crying. I, and I'm so mad to this day. I should have said something to the owner when I left and paid. I should, I'm like, I'm so mad that I didn't say anything. And I was just, Mm. I just wanted to get out of there so fast. But I guess it just amazed me the comfort level that she had to say that. And I I think I might've said to her like, no, I'm I'm actually fine. Like it it just, that haunts me to this day that that was said. And then it's also funny because I've been in, I I remember taking all the kids, well, Jordan and Dylan to get a haircut in a you know typical barber shop where I was the only white person there, no big deal. But the gentleman who was cutting the hair, I guess he, his landlord must have been a Jewish man. And the comments that were made, now they had no idea. I'm just sitting there as this mom taking Yeah. So it's funny that you can kind of infiltrate both worlds and see mm. positive and negatives on both sides because the comments were like completely like anti-Semitic, inappropriate. I don't think he, I think he was really generally directing it towards the fact that this landlord of his building was all he knew. So he saw this man that wasn't treating him right. Mm. But it was just interesting sitting there thinking like he has no idea that, you know, he's saying. So I feel like seeing it on both sides, just how, you know, it happens. People have their preconceived notions. Mm. You, you know, there's a phrase that you just said that for me stood out. It's all he knew or it's all she knew. Mm-hmm. What all they knew. And it's so interesting to me how there are many people who live their lives based on what they know. And they think they know enough about another identity to then make judgments about it. And it's how do you get people? to even want to learn more beyond what they think they know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I wish we did. <laughs> the older, yeah, right? And if, yeah. if we had the answer, boy. If we had the answers, we'd be doing a lot more than this, yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, makes me think too, you know, we're all out of at an age where we've lived life long enough to raise we're raising families and 
like your perspective in life changes so much as you get older, especially the Mm -hmm. more that you're willing to be open about things like Lauren, you and Mark are so such open, awesome. Um, You're educators of life as as much as you are educators of education. Like you, you both Mm -hmm. like live your life that way. And so it makes so much sense to me, but there's a lot of people, Mark, I think that do what you just said. They think that they know something and they like, hold on to that for a really long time. Like Lauren, you could have you could have come out of your upbringing, and and had so many things that you thought you knew, and just hold on for dear life uh-huh. for the rest of your life, and then teach them to your kids, and you know. And I think that happens a lot. And I think sometimes also wisdom sets in for some for other people. Like there's a, there's some people that you could I can look back, I can look back in my life and living in Los Angeles. I, you know, Los Angeles just in general is kind of a, a great mesh of people from a lot, like right, New York, right? yeah, yeah. although New York has, you know, neighborhoods, so does LA and stuff, but also like, it's just in general, it's just a, it's a, it's a place where there's a lot of people from a lot of different cultures. I didn't grow up thinking about race a lot, but as mm-hmm. I got older, thinking about race and identities, I'm like, oh, there were things happening. I just wasn't. I, my awareness of them wasn't there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I can also understand that only with wisdom and being exposed to people. And now I'm going to bring in one more aspect, you know, I travel a lot with, with my work. I travel a lot internationally and it is because I think that sometimes like, let's say if somebody comes from um, Greece, or they come from France, or anywhere, right? Anywhere, Colombia, anywhere, anywhere outside of the United States, they come to the United States, and they go, oh, they they meet somebody, and they and they find out, you know, some of your opinions, and they go, oh, Americans think that, and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> no. right, definitely <laughs> That's not. That's not all, all yeah. Americans. <laughs> yes. And so, if you go to another country, so this just happened to me recently. I went to England, and I was in London. And I was just curious. I was like, oh, I wonder what people think about the royal family. So I asked a couple of people. <laughs> it was a very different conversation talking to people in London than it was when I was outside of London, when I was in Ooh. a little bit south of, of, of England. And I was a little bit in a, just in a different area. And it doesn't even mean that it was the area. I'm not even trying to say it was the area. Yeah. I'm just telling you what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could have just been the person that I talked to. Right. And so it just always shows you that it's so there's such fluidity to all that. I would never hope I used to tell people like 20 years ago when I would travel internationally, I go, please don't judge us by our politicians, our, (laughs) our, our celebrities, because what you'll be seeing is not really a great representation of, of all Mm -hmm. what America is. Yeah. Yeah. I remember teaching this in, oh, I'm sorry, Mark. I was just going to say, I remember teaching this in psychology. But I think, and I, I haven't taught in a while, but I think um, because when we, when our brains, when we don't know something, we so quickly want to put it into one of the groups that we already have. And if we can't fit it in, we do what our friends did. Well, Mark must not be really black because he doesn't look like the people that we yeah. see on the news. And we do, and I feel like they do that with all Americans because that's our brains just naturally go there that we have to like kind of figure out things to simplify. So it makes sense yeah. that- yeah. For me personally, race has not been one of those things mostly in my life that's made me feel comfortable or uncomfortable. It hasn't been something that I've created an identity around, but I have created it around other things. And I'm now becoming more, I'm really starting to understand that there's other things that I have created major identities around. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt very family insecure growing up because my family split up when I was mm-hmm. young. I went through a lot of turmoil, a lot of pain and trauma happened to me when I was young. I feel so tied to the identity of who I am in my family. It's very mm-hmm. important to me. Yeah. And so I get that. Yeah. I, I carry that like heavy, heavy, a heavier weight than maybe I, even I should because of that. And so I wonder, I'm just curious with both of you identities that you might carry that you might go, yeah, I definitely carry that as an yeah. identity that I bring with me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I remember when you told me that Mark, what your what you learned with the, the five things, I really thought about it also, um, and for different reasons. I mean, I had my own childhood trauma. I don't think it was as severe as yours, Kathy, but 
So I sometimes joke around with friends that I'm super codependent on Mark and the kids. Like I, I want to do everything with them, come out with us. I, I joke with them. Like when you grow up, would you live like a block away? And they're like, all right, could you calm down, mom? Like, it's not gonna be a block away, like maybe in the same city, but I don't even know that. I'm like, wait, but what? So there's clearly codependency there. Um, but I definitely think as I've gotten older, definitely as a, as a woman, as a mom, um, those things I'm definitely attached to. As, and certainly like turning 50 in two weeks, like just like now as a, a, a woman, an aging woman, <laughs> Mm. but like no just like you know not like a young woman a anymore and just woman. relating to women who are older you know like that mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah yeah all right pause for a second pause, pause no. for a second. Oh, my all, God, right. Boy. all <laughs> right because you should know that my wife runs like seven miles every three hours Okay. No, that's exactly. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. A <laughs> hundred miles a day. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. Uh -huh. <laughs> no fact. You are so beautiful for so many reasons. I mean, you know, aesthetically beautiful, intellectually beautiful. Oh, I don't like this stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of like your, your your discipline and everything is like so beautiful um so cut all that aging nonsense out <laughs> hold on sorry i'm, I'm gonna make you more uncomfortable lauren i have oh, to boy. sorry Please. i met mark and i became i felt that thing with mark that i've had with a couple of very few friends i'd say mark is in a club with like maybe less than 10 other people that when i met them i was like wow we're gonna be friends for life right <laughs> and you know that doesn't always translate to the person's spouse you know you meet that person and it's just like mm -hmm. you, you meet that person you don't know anything about their spouse Lauren, right. I met you and I was like, um, Mark, maybe I have to be friends with Lauren. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I like <laughs> I felt the same way. I know. <laughs> I, just the beautiful, and I I agree with you, Mark. Like one of the things that and I and I'm not trying to tell you how to feel, Lauren. This is not me trying to give you, I'm just telling you from my no, perspective. Like we love you. And so some of the things that I, I understand, some of the identities that we struggle with, I struggle with the same things you say, by the, by yeah, the way, yeah. I struggle with, with aging and, and same, I struggle with my position in my family and how it shifted from being the younger generation to the yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, and all these things. Right. So I, I struggle with the same, but I just do want to tell you from a, from my perspective and knowing you that, um, you are a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful person. You are a wonderful mother. You are great. You and Mark make this amazing family unit. I love when we're on our calls. And this is kind of fun for the audience because <laughs> you get the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes, right? Like, Mark will be on a call and then he'll be like, yo, I'm sorry, everybody. I got to go family dinner time. Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, Mark needs to go do his thing. Y'all like stop talking to him. For the record, I don't put pressure. There's no pressure on my no, end. No, okay. no he, it's, <laughs> it comes from yeah, his sweet. love, right? Yes. And I, I genuinely sweet. know that about Mark. So anyway, I, yeah, I just, I share that same love with Lauren. When I met you, Lauren, I was like, so much love. Well, well I appreciate you, know, you guys saying. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, you know, here's what you remind me of when you talk about identities. I identify with that word family so much. Lauren, Lauren makes fun of me, right? Because there, there are certain people. It's like, that's your brother, or that's your good friend. Like, <laughs> or when I was a teacher, right? They were my kids, my children, and and I just identify so much with the word family. Kathy is my sister. I say that with so much love and pride, right? But not everybody adopts their friends and their siblings, but right, right. right. That, totally. That's a very important part of my identity to be a part mm -hmm. of my family, you know, but then as you think about it deeper, right, there's still a part of me that identifies with that poor kid, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, what I think about how people are spending their money or using their money, I mean, even with our own children, it's like, no, I was going to bring that up. He's yeah. that dad. He's like, you know, you guys are lucky because back, I was like, oh, here he goes again, you know. <laughs> I couldn't have even uh, taken a cab ride somewhere. Like I had to walk because I didn't have 25. And they're like, oh, yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> and you have good shoes to be able to walk in, right? I, like... <laughs> I wore my shoes out walking. I was barefoot walking in the snow for right. 10 miles. You know, the famous, like you pass it on. Yeah, you. Oh, yep. That's yeah, what he yeah. does. Yeah. Yes. But I will say from a perspective of your kids, you know, you guys have three beautiful, awesome kids and, and things that they laugh about now. Also, that's another part of their identity. Like 
you're also creating, and Lauren, you mentioned this at the beginning, no, you should never feel guilt because the two of you pour so much love into your kids. And there's things that they're, yeah, they laugh at you. Mark, they laugh because you're loud, like, you know, but guess what? When they have kids someday and they're, they're, you know, they're raising their own kids, what are they going to bring in? You know what? My, I heard my dad say so many times, I heard my dad say this, but you know what? I also knew that my mom and dad wanted a different life for me and for my siblings. I don't know. It's just, ah, I just, I love that piece of life too, because you have so much control over how much love you can put into the people around you. Yeah. You know, that just made me think when we were first, um, you know, engaged or just when we first started dating and, and that was everybody, everyone who was against us, their thing would be like, I mean, what do you, the kids, it's just, you're going to have children and it's going to be so, remember that? It was like, it's going to be so hard. You're just going to, you're torturing children to have biracial children. And I'm like, there has never, and they, listen, everybody struggles, but never once between us, because that was also it, like, how could you and Mark, I mean, you're not going to, there's going to be so many fights about race. Like never once in any argument, any disagreement we've had, had it ever, and for the kids, have they ever come home saying, I'm not sure of my identity. Like, and maybe that's because we raised them in Brooklyn. I don't know, but like that's never ever been a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to all I the can see that from you too, though. Like that, I, I, that's where I'm saying too. Is part of the identity. And again, Lauren, you talked about that, but part of your identity comes from the most important things in your life. The your your parental units, your your school, like things that when you're growing up at a young age, you you have you only have so much visibility to the world and whatever it is that you can see and hear, uh, you're being influenced by for sure. Mm-hmm. So I could I can see that. I got to tell you, yeah. here's what this brings up for me. Identity is a singular word, but we are not any of us, mm. an identity, yeah. right? I yeah. even think about this exercise that I was talking about. And it's yeah. like, yeah, in so many ways we could break it down to five, but the truth is I also remember being in a, in a college class and the professor gave us a few moments after the right numbers one to 20 and next to each number, write down a different part of your identity. And the truth is you could probably expand that to 20, 30, 40, 50. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to me, that's a part of the unclumpness, right? That we are so beyond one individual identity. And if we could see that in ourselves and if we could see that in other people, maybe that would help us to, you know, unclump and unjudge people. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I think about my aunt Naima, may she rest in peace. And I remember she said to me one day, she goes, um, when, she, when, when you know, we were talking about your parents and everything. And, and again, I love your mom. Yeah, I love that's dad, but... yeah. she loves it. I think she loves you more than me now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he really won her over, huh? <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> and I think so much of what my aunt Naima said always sticks in my head. She goes, just keep being who you are. Mm-hmm. Right? And when people get to know you, Right. And, and, and if I may put these words in her mouth, when people get to know all the different parts yeah. of who you are, mm-hmm. not the one part, not the one they part. Get yeah. stuck on the one part, right. But yeah. when they get to know all of the different parts, so mm-hmm. what if everybody could just try to get to know more of the parts of an individual? Oh my mm-hmm. God, that is so brilliant. That's so so brilliant. if you think about everybody, you know, in your life, and you're like, if I had to write a list from one to 20 and say 20 things about that person, it should, you know, you should understand that the 20 things are probably 20 things that could be part of their identities. And it's part of all those are little fragments of who they are and what they cherish and what they love and what they've experienced and what their family is like. And, you know, mm-hmm. and you know what probably wouldn't be one of them, what their race is. Right. <laughs> That's not totally. right. That wouldn't 100%. even be on the top 100. Like it's yeah, never yeah. right. Mm-hmm. If it, that's so true. That would be kind of a fun experiment to do with kids. If you told mm-hmm. kids like write down 20 things about yourself, probably the race would never come into it. No, they'd be like, oh, I love candy. I love watching sports. I collect basketball video games. Cards. Yeah, I love right, video right, games. Right. I love mm-hmm. Air Jordans. Like like you know. Right. Yeah. Sure. I live in Brooklyn. Very I live in Portland. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't make it on the list or very few very you know maybe some instances where they live in a home where they've been taught or it's sure. there's mm-hmm. been a heavy emphasis on mm-hmm. identity that I, that part of the identity maybe they would but for most kids i wouldn't i wouldn't think so you're right that's interesting Ooh. Mm-hmm. Wow. well yeah well i don't know i feel like we came to a very high crescendo on that mark because i feel <laughs> like that was a i feel like we were saying that the whole time but then you put it to words and i thought that was mm-hmm. beautiful I really like the the way you put that together. But so Lauren, I'll ask you, because coming from your perspective, you came on here with this idea. Of, first of all, thanks for sharing it. It, you know, sometimes I think it can be hard to talk about this. And I appreciate I appreciate that you just were open and vulnerable. But what are what are some of your wrap-up thoughts on like we just had this conversation? We went so many directions. I was thinking. <laughs> You're going to laugh. I'm like, the three of us need to take this on the road. I I mean, I'm half kidding, but I'm half like, I feel like if we could go places and like talk to people and just be open, because we're all so open about all of this stuff. This is what I'm talking about. If other people heard us speak, it could really be helpful. Mm-hmm. That's what I kept sitting here thinking like, wow, we should should take this on a road, a traveling um, <laughs> road show on diversity. It, it's about to go down with Mark, yeah. Lauren, and Kathy, right? <laughs> <laughs> The, tra- the travel edition. The travel yeah. edition. Oh my of, god! Of identities of yes. identities. Keep somebody would pick that up. I think. I oh, I I agree. I think. I don't it, know who, but. I, and, you know, I was just thinking what? how valuable it is to have these kind of conversations and not feel like, oh, I'm going to be judged if I say this, or um, you know, just to like speak freely and you know, I, I think that's great that we could do that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, mm. Mark. Really quick, just what you what what you think because. Um, I, I would love to take this on the road. I would love to take this on the road. <laughs> I'm in. Um, what 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 I like is the idea that there should just be more candid conversations. Mm-hmm. Right, candid conversations about what kind of a struggle it was. You know, based on how how you've been judged, what you were looking for in life, and and how that exposes all of the different identities. Um, I'm taking away two words today, unclump and identities. <laughs> and identity. identity. same. And identity. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they both came yes. from you, Mark. I appreciate it. I know, that. of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. I love so that. I'm sticking around Kathy, that's why. I love amazing things to say. I I love this, y'all. This was such a good, you know, the synergy here. I loved, um, I love Lauren having you on the show. Thank you for agreeing to, to be on the show, knowing that, you know, Mark and so I have been, we've been doing this for nine seasons. And so you've been hearing about, yeah, look at that. <laughs> you've been hearing about, uh, oh, Mark, look, your thing did it. How did you do that? Do I don't think I have the newest version. He did, do it again, do it again. I definitely don't on this. It blows up. There it goes, look. <laughs> How do you, oh my God, I'm so impressed. This computer doesn't have that, or is it, I don't know. It depends, it's like the newer version oh of, of Zoom. I love that one. <laughs> that was nice. I, um, I was gonna ask you after, you, like how the heck did you do that? Yeah. I got derailed by the, by the. It, it does now, like if you, yeah, I don't I don't think I have the newest version of Zoom. It it it, it recognizes that you're making a heart, ah. and heart, so try it, Lauren, you should do it. See if it will do it. Like, do this with your hand. I already know it's not working on that laptop. This Zoom does not. This is definitely. No, no. Mark, I guess you're the only one that has the updated Zoom. No. Well, Lauren, thank you for being on. It's so fun for me to do this, to see, like, Mark and I have been doing this for a while, but to me, this feels really important. I got to know, I got to know the Williams fam a little bit deeper today. I appreciate it that you shared it with the world. <laughs> this is so special. Thank you for being on, Lauren. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for the way that you show up in the- Thank you for having me. This was- Awesome woman, beautiful woman. That's how I feel about you guys, seriously. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I mean, I'm glad I got to be a part of it. I usually see it from the the sidelines, but it was really nice to be part of it. You guys are the best. Mark, you know, you should close this out. This is your wife. You say the final thing. (laughs) I would close out by saying it's about to go down. I would close out by saying, uh, my sister, Kathy, I adore you so much. But I'm going to close out 
by one acknowledging how true those two things are. It is about to go down and catch <laughs> all my sister. But I'm going to turn to my wife and just let her know to you. I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you too. <laughs> and that is what's about to go down. <laughs> <laughs> A week before Valentine's Day too. You're doing good. Nice. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.